Welcome to Wellversed, where we bring biblical principles of governance to governmental leaders and you. This is the Wellversed podcast. Well, may I call you by your first name? Is that acceptable? Sure, sure, sure. <clears throat> it's the same as mine. Uh, James Altman <laughs> is a, a Catholic makes priest. It easy. You, <laughs> you're a, a well-known Catholic priest with impact around the nation. And uh, it's really an honor to have you come on right now. I'm very, very grateful. Our friendship started back in Virginia Beach. Yes. Our uh, friendship then continued, let's see, most recently, were we in Philadelphia or Baltimore? Baltimore. Yeah. Baltimore. We're in Maryland. Yeah. Yes, we were. <laughs> that's, that's where it was. So yeah. tell us, first of all, a little bit about your background. Then sure. I'm going to jump right in. And folks, this is a pretty astounding story because I'm going to ask him this question. Is it true that bold Catholic priests are being oppressed and suppressed and told to be silent? And is it true that there is a, quote, re-education camps for priests that are too bold? But before we get to that, tell me a bit about your life history and how you became a Catholic priest. And then we're going to jump into those questions. Sure, sure. Well, I, I was uh, born and raised, uh, I think they call it cradle Catholic, and uh, went to Catholic grade school, uh, was formed by nuns who... Uh, they could control, one woman could control 40 kids in the class. There was no crazy stuff like what we're seeing in the schools today. And if you misbehave, like my parents always said to me, you you get in trouble at school, you're going to get in twice as much trouble when you get home. <laughs> so uh, that's my upbringing. Uh, I started out, I went to college. Then uh, I was a, a steel worker. I was a union man. And then I went and uh, earned an MBA in finance and accounting from the University of Michigan. And I worked as a couple years as an accountant, then I worked as a couple years as a banker, roughly, and then I went to law school. Uh, and then I worked as a lawyer for about a dozen years, um, ended up doing a lot of family dysfunction law and, and served kind of like the circuit court referee for two counties for five years, I think it was, listening to families fall apart. And, you know, you try to be like Humpty Dumpty to put them back together again, but sometimes you can't. Uh, and, in, and then amidst all that, then... Um, Life was life was really going well, exactly as I had planned it. And one day, in the space of 10 seconds, I got a call, a call from God. And, and I knew in that 10 seconds, and I did the math once, I was on the planet for 1 billion, 300 million seconds at this point. In, in, in the space of less than 10 seconds, I knew my life was over as I knew it. And so I went off to seminary and uh, you spend six years in seminary and... Uh, Come out with two more master's degrees and then where, where was that that was well, i started out at the josephine in columbus ohio finished up at mundelein in um chicago uh both places all, all seminaries i think many houses of formation in all I, I think you said you have two master's degrees. the bible says no man can have two masters <laughs> yeah well that's good that's actually good see I, I love it when someone knows their sacred scripture like that uh, <laughs> I, have, anyway. I have three i got i went and got a third one so i wouldn't be in violation of okay <laughs> <laughs> there you go uh anyway so then i was ordained in 2008 and served as pastor at saint peter and paul here in wisconsin rapids for pretty near nine years i served that parish and then i was asked by my bishop to transfer to saint james and lacrosse and was there for about two years when of course then the world fell apart because of the, the puppeteers who run the world, who own everything and control everything. And uh, and so we had the lockdown, even though, you know, abortion clinics could stay open murdering babies, even though the liquor stores could stay open, even though Walmart could have a thousand people at a time, our churches had to lock down and the bishops went along with it. 
so that so that's when I think the whole notoriety kind of came was just before that happened in 2020. I came out with that video. You can't be a Catholic and a Democrat, which, uh, you know, is nothing other than what the, the last 10 popes have, have taught. Uh, I was, you know, uh, Pope St. John the 23rd in, in the early 60s said you cannot be even a moderate socialist and be Catholic. Well, the Democrats are nothing but socialists. So therefore, you cannot be a, a Catholic and be a Democrat. I mean, that's just it's just so simple logic if you understand if you know your faith you understand the teaching of what has been handed down to us so i wasn't saying anything that should be particularly alarming so i didn't how would i know that it would go viral as it were um because people were hearing it for the first time and so that's really where the notoriety came along and and then after that the why it was ultimately canceled was one sunday i had the temerity to say that your body is the temple of the holy spirit and therefore you are not morally obligated to take an untried, untested, rush to market, abortion tainted jab. And all well, that sent the left-wing media ballistic. And, and uh, so uh, that's, that's ultimately why I was canceled very quickly because I dared to say, your body's the temple of the Holy Spirit. I, I, here's the way I put it. I said, don't be anyone's guinea pig. Don't be anyone's lab rat. Your body's the temple of the Holy Spirit. So, uh, that shook the that um, now why it would you would you have to ask yourself why would that trouble anybody in the hierarchy, but it did. Uh, so yeah, it sounds entirely too scriptural. Hey, you you left out a couple <laughs> things. Number one, uh, that that mattress behind you, you're not <laughs> sleeping on the floor. What, well, is, what is that mattress for okay, behind no, you? Tell let them. me slide aside there, and and I have this Great Dane that that takes up about two thirds of that mattress. <laughs> And, and he's very quiet. He lays there quietly. He just, if, if, if I had the door closed, he'd be throwing a fit. All he wants to do is be where I am. And so, yeah, so he's usually his head's out this way. So you can see his head like looking, looking at you, but he settled down and, and I'm not going to disturb him. You don't let <laughs> sleeping dogs. How's it go? Wait, you, you let sleeping dogs lie. So there he is. <laughs> now you, uh, you, were, you were a steel worker who went and got an MBA. You were a lawyer. Yeah. You worked in family issues, <clears throat> but you left out something. I, if I'm not mistaken, you were a hockey player. <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, I had the privilege of, of playing hockey uh, for about 15 years, and then I gave it up because I was a reckless player, and I was going to hurt somebody or hurt myself, and I thought, no, at this point, I had too much to lose, and so, uh, yeah, I gave it up. You know, you get older. I gave up hockey, then eventually, recently, I gave up downhill skiing, Yes, I definitely would. I'd go down the black double diamonds and head, you know, just barreling down and wiped out a few times and it hurt. Uh, and then now I've, I've pretty much, I think, given ever since I had the heart attack, I pretty much have given up tennis because I just can't take the chance. Whoa, I didn't know you had a heart attack. My goodness. I, I did. And I, it was October 2019. I, well, it oh. turns out I have a, a genetic defect, um, which every now and then you hear an athlete just kind of topples. Like, I think there was a Hank Gathers, I think he played for the Celtics maybe. And, and all of a sudden he died suddenly on the court was because he too had the similar heart defect, which is uh, too thick of a wall. So your body doesn't get as much blood as everybody else. And I just thought, well, I'm just easily tired, but uh, no, I don't, yeah. Well, we're gonna, we're gonna, at the end, we're gonna be praying for healing for you, but let's go back right now if we can. Okay. No, let's pray right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask your touch. Jesus of Nazareth, walk, walk through that room now. 
<clears throat> and may James just reach out and, and, and touch the hem of your garment, the, the, the talit, the tassels, and may healing virtue flow into him, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Now let's That's go beautiful. right back to your story. So you preach a sermon saying you can't both be a Catholic and a Democrat because the Democrats are socialists and, and they're already a standing position in the Catholic Church. You cannot be a socialist and be a Catholic. Right. And that explodes. Now take me from there because somehow, am I right? Am I right? You, you were taken out of your parish. Number yeah. two, there's a bunch of guys like you taken out of your parishes. Yes. And number three, you have an organization of Catholic priests that have been shoved aside. I don't know what the name is. Yes. And then fourth, his, the Catholic Church has a, correct me if I'm wrong on this, re-education camps for guys <laughs> like you to get you back on. The, is that, is, is, am I overstating it? Again, correct no. me if I'm wrong. No, you have uh, pretty much stated it accurately. I, you know, it's just so highly organized in the Catholic Church. I have to believe that uh, other denominations would have a similar, uh, if they thought somebody was going off the rails, um, they would seek to redirect them. Yeah, exactly. The, the problem in the uh, in the Catholic Church is that the hierarchy has become so corrupted, and they. It, I, here, let me let me maybe put it start this way. So, so that first worldwide phenomenon. I've I've heard it when in that eight no, it was nine minutes and fifty nine seconds. I mentioned, well, I don't love anybody in Borneo because I don't know anybody in Borneo, and and I tell you, all of a sudden, I'm getting contacted from from people in Borneo, and and we prayed the Holy Rosary together live uh, I, from all over the world, all at one time praying together, which is, which I, what more could we ever ask for than to have the world united in prayer? Um, so uh, the, that initially got some pushback. And the reason is because of, uh, the, here's how I explain it this way. In Jesus's day, there were 70 Sanhedrin, and we know of two that were, that were decent. One was Nicodemus. He kind of came sneaking around in the middle of the night. That's, that's John chapter three. And then, then there's Gamaliel, who stood up for Peter and John after they arrested in the temple. That's Acts chapter five. That meant 68 of the rest didn't speak up. And you know, silence is complicity. You have a duty to speak up in the face of, of evil. And so when those Sanhedrin were plotting against Jesus constantly, every time he did something good, you go through a gospel front to back and you just realize every time Jesus did something good, they went off plotting against him. So silence is complicity. Well, um, so, 68 out of the 70 either directly or indirectly crucified Jesus. That's 96%. People who saw Jesus perform miracles before their very eyes. Saw that, I love, my favorite is, is when they cut the hole in the roof and let that, the paralytic down. <laughs> Could you imagine so somebody cuts a hole in your roof? You're going to get shook up about it. Eh, not then. They, they were more shook up about the fact that Jesus healed a paralytic. So, uh, but they also knew that he raised Lazarus from the dead. So they were plotting to kill off Lazarus to destroy the evidence. Oh, evil these people were. 96% of people who saw Jesus firsthand, saw him work miracles, nevertheless crucified him. Why do we think the percentage of, of Christian leaders, Catholic leaders today is any better? It, 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 it defies logic and explanation. But anyway, so I'm not surprised that there's a, a huge percentage in the Catholic Church of our shepherds who are off the rails themselves, but they control the buildings. And so what happens is as a priest, uh, it's not a job, it's a vocation. That's the way we look at it, right? So uh, 
You give yourself entirely and completely to your parish family. That's all you know. Most priests do not have a background like I have. I mean, I started washing dishes when I was 12 years old. At 14, I was working 40 hours in the family business and then 40 hours down the street at a restaurant washing dishes. I mean, that was summertime. That's what you did. You didn't think anything of it. Um, so the, but most priests enter into the priesthood and after 10, 20 years, that's all they can do. And so when the bishop threatens you for speaking the truth, what do you do? You, you kind of, you start to be a little silent yourself. So as not to offend the bishop with the truth of the gospels and, and, or the old ladies out in the, it's usually, it's usually the Karens out in the, in the audience who are the ones that write the nasty letters to the bishop. So it doesn't matter that 90% of your, your, your people are happy with you and a huge chunk even love you. All you need are these people to write complaints, and that's the one thing the bishop can't stand. So he cancels you, right? So if you if you get threatened with cancellation, you start being like milk toast in your presentation of the truth of the gospel, which is a hard gospel, uh, a call to call to the cross, a call to truth and to holiness, uh, a call to stand up against the evil in the world. Um, and so what they do is is that they they pipe down and they say not they keep their head below the radar, lest they get canceled. Because here's what happens when you get canceled. The perfect case is, his name is Archbishop uh, Gustavo Sillers Garcia down in San Antonio, I think it is. One of the holiest priests I've ever met in my life. And I met, because I'm 63 years old now, I met plenty of holy priests. One of the absolute holiest priests I know is Father Clay Hunt. And he's dared to say to people that had been in prison, They've been there for over a year. Well, listen, in the Catholic Church, we teach that you have to be in a state of grace to receive Holy Communion. So being as I haven't been here for a year because of the COVID lockdown, how about if we go to confession, the sacrament of confession, before you receive Holy Communion? That's how you receive absolution. And, and so that, that filthy viper, that monster in a mitre, canceled Father Clay Hunt. He took away his salary, his food allowance, his living quarters, the rectory, he took away his health insurance and he took away, I believe it's also his retirement. Just like that, Father Clay Hunt is suddenly cast adrift after giving his life for decades to the people of God, that filthy viper, he should have his head on a platter. I'll be happy with the mitre, right? That filthy viper should be kicked out of the episcopacy instantaneously for canceling a holy priest, which also then, by the way, those people through their donations paid for that education of that priest. They are entitled to his holy service. That filthy archbishop has absolutely no right. His mitre should be on a platter today. Well, so this is why priests don't speak up because they will get canceled just like that. And then what? And then, and, then, and I'll tell you what, I didn't know a good and holy priest that couldn't care less about such things as the salary or the health insurance. They do it for free. What really, in the heart of every priest, is I love my people, and I'm going to serve them. And if somebody, if that bishop threatens me that I won't be able to serve those people, that my family that I love, that's how we live out our paternity. People say, oh, priests, uh, they should get married. Do you know the only people that say that are stupid people, that don't have a clue and haven't bothered to ask the priests? Every single priest goes into it knowing he's not going to get married and have children of their own. I wanted 13 kids. 
that's I, I used to plan for it. My, my whole life was revolved around 13 kids. And uh, so, but I knew when I went in, that was the end of that dream, right? I know going in and I wouldn't change a thing. And 99% of priests wouldn't change a thing. So those stupid people out there that rip on celibacy don't know what they're talking about. I live out my paternity loving my parish family. I don't have enough time for Griffin over there. To, 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 to then think I have a wife and kids, which would take away from my ability to serve the whole parish family who needs me 24 seven. You don't know when the call is gonna come. Uh, so so anyway, uh, that's what's in the heart well, of true James, grace. James, could you, could, could you be more direct? Yeah. <laughs> could you be more well, blunt? We, we don't, well, we don't, why is there so much velvet on this brick? I know. <laughs> well, that's, but when you understand what, what the heart of the priesthood and, and what the, what the giving of oneself is. You know, St. Paul, when he was running around, and I love it, is it 2 Corinthians 11, where he lists off the sufferings he's endured out of love for his people? When he says in Colossians chapter 1, I, I, I rejoice in my sufferings because I'm making up for in the cross what, what's lacking here in, in this time and place. I'm suffering for you. I'm picking up my cross daily. That's what we're called to do. Um, I, I don't know a good priest that, that wouldn't do that exact same thing, but these filthy vipers, most of whom are way overweight, popping buttons on their cassocks, teaching us nothing about fasting. Um, these vipers cancel these priests and, and therefore take that holiness out of the parish. And so now uh, we did some rough calculations and it seems like there's about 2000 of us cancel priests in the United States. And they're always- Wait, wait a minute. Two thousand yeah. have been, have been removed, removed from their parishes. Correct, just like me. So uh, here's an example of one diocese. It's in the diocese of Rockford, Illinois, and that viper, that filthy viper down there. I think his last name is Malloy. Malloy, I think, was uh, ordained by. Um, I got this right. You can fact check me on it. Was ordained by Rembert Weekland. Now, if you remember Rembert Weekland, if you ever remember that name, he just died recently. He was the Archbishop in Milwaukee, used to be a Benedictine monk with ambition, wanted to be the youngest arch abbot in the country. Listen, when you've got somebody that's going for it with ambition, watch out for that guy. Um, well, anyway, uh, he's the one that paid about a half a million dollars of church money to keep his male lover silent for 10 years. Oh. Right? That's in Milwaukee. And if you tried, if you were like me, he would never have let me go to seminary. He's only gonna let go to seminary people like him. That's what happened. There's this book called Goodbye, Good Men that kind of describes how this worked. So anyway, so I think Malloy was his spawn and seems to me he was elevated to the episcopacy during the time of maybe Bernadine, who was himself an evil, evil man accused of, seems credibly, of Satanism. Um, yeah. Anyway, Malloy's got a bad pedigree. So he is in his little, there's 189 dioceses, I think I have this right, in the United States, Catholic dioceses, including the military archdiocese. And, and in his diocese alone, which is not a big diocese, Rockford, there's at least 12 bis, or a priests who have been canceled. Well, just times that by 189, you know? Some, some will have more like in New York or Chicago because they have a lot more priests. Uh, Chicago had something like 800 priests at, when I was in seminary there. So you, it's easy to see how there could be up to two. And the thing is, we didn't know this two years ago. I didn't even know there was such a thing as a canceled priest. 
So, so then all of a sudden you become one and you suddenly, because, because of the, the faithful God blessed efforts of people to form what's called the coalition for cancel priests. That's that organization you were talking about earlier, coalition for cancel priests. So CFCP, uh, now they're coming out of the woodwork because they have been canceled and they're cast adrift. I mean, some of them are like working at McDonald's or, or other menial jobs because they have no other skills except being a, a faithful father to their parish family. Um, so so there is there is about that many, roughly, uh, canceled, all canceled by these vipers who, who well, yeah, I could, we could be on here all day as I rip on. The evil that they continue to promote and their anti-Catholicism. Uh, there, here's the thing. So here, as I said earlier, the, when the government, a, a priest said, a holy priest said to me, well, Father, when is it okay for the church to close its doors? You're going you're gonna to appreciate this. And is there ever a time? And I said, yeah, well, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you when I know that time has come upon us, perhaps, is when they close down Walmart with a thousand people at a time, when they close down the baby murdering factories, when they close down the liquor stores and the pot stores, when they close those things, then I'll know they mean business. Until such time as we have a constitutional right to stay open, the government has their authority ends at my front door. We do not have to close down a church, nor should we, when all these other things like Planned Parenthood and Walmart and Home Depot stay open. Like that, what does that, what person with a brain can't figure that out? If those things get to stay open, my constitutionally guaranteed right to have a holy sacrifice at the mass of my Catholic church, that stays open. But I said, but even so, let's suppose the plague had come along, the bubonic plague, the black death. Let's suppose that was what we were facing and not this COVID hoax, which they exacerbated by forcing down remdesivir and, and what do you call those things that help you breathe, uh, ventilators, instead of letting us have the drugs that were proven to help. All of Africa didn't seem to have an issue with COVID at all because they were on hydroxychloroquine from malaria. Cheap, and if absolutely effective, but they wouldn't even let us possibly use it as a, as a test to see if it would work. No, they, they, they came up with their protocol, forcing the remdesivir upon us, a death drug, Fauci's responsible for that. May he burn in hell and the sooner the better. And the thing is, um, and then they say, oh, see, remdesivir, the best thing we have in our protocol, and people are still dying. So they made it even scarier, making us more subject to their fear control. Well, anyway. Um, Let me just correct you here for a second. Say, yeah, both, I, I've lost both, track of where both, it was. No, no, this, this is good. Both of us would agree, we want to see Fauci repent. I don't want to see him burn in hell. I want him to repent of his sin, acknowledge okay. his evil, repent yeah. of his sin, ask forgiveness, ask for the blood of Jesus to forgive him from all sins, and for him to enter into the presence of Almighty God through the gate we all do, the blood right. of Jesus when he died on the cross. So, right. that, <clears> that's a, and that is a beautiful sentiment, and I agree. The official teaching of the church for 2,000 years has been the same. But Jesus said many will choose the broad road to destruction. Few will choose the narrow road on the narrow yes. path. Yes, and, and, and you know the more you sin, the darker your soul gets, and the less likely you're going to repent. Uh, the, the patron saint of priests is, is St. John Vianney. He used to sit in the confessional for 18 hours. And he himself said, deathbed conversions are rare. So the likelihood of him to do anything, be, my concern, people say, well, I'm concerned about Anthony Fauci. Listen, I'm concerned about the people he's killing. I'm concerned yeah, about the destruction. He's, so I'm going to pray for those people that they avoid this person. And if this person is like Hitler, okay, oh, I could pray till the cows come home that Hitler repents, right? But in the meantime, 
he's killing six million Jews, give or take, but he killed as many Catholics and everybody else too. I mean, that was the real numbers, like 11 to 13 million. And look at the world war that he started that I think it's like some estimates are 90 million soldiers and civilians. Okay, totally so agree with, totally agree with everything you're saying. Yeah. I just never give up on anybody. Yeah, I trust Jesus to reach them, even in yeah. their most decrepit, decrepit moments. That's that's the calling that's on, yeah. on my life. And I suspect we share that in, in common. I want you to go back to some yeah. very practical issues. Okay, and that is <clears throat> this is going to be shocking. We're, we're primarily an evangelical audience. There's probably um, a, number, a number of traditional Catholics that are on, but evangelicals overwhelmingly who don't have a lot of interaction with the hierarchy of the Catholic Church. Sure. I'm blessed to have some good relationships and friendships, but, but many probably would not have a lot. And, and, and so the fact that there's 2,000 canceled priests, a coalition of canceled priests is pretty right. jolting. Right. Uh, the fact that you, for, for being bold and straightforward, would be removed from your parish, just a practical logistic question. Yeah. Did they just simply come to you one day and say, you're out? And then if so, how are you living? How, right. how, did they cut off your salary? Did they sure. cut off everything? I mean, you still yeah. got to eat and live. Right, right. Each bishop has uh, the capacity because they're they're lords of their own little fiefdom. And as I said, there's 189 little fiefdoms in the United States. Each with an archbishop. No, or just a bishop. No, archbishop, all it means, everybody's a bishop. That In the state of Wisconsin, there are five dioceses. So there's a bishop for each diocese. Okay. But to kind of make it slightly more hierarchical, they have then, uh, it's like the pro province of Wisconsin has an archbishop, which is Archbishop Listecki of Milwaukee. He used to be Bishop of La Crosse. He's a bishop that ordained me. So they're all, but they're all on equal terms, really. Uh, and, and, and then, so Cardinal is still a bishop. He just the, the whole point of a cardinal is that the Pope chooses a certain set of bishops from around the world to act as an advisor to him. In fact, you don't even have to be a card or bishop to be a cardinal. It, but anyway, so that's so that's what a cardinal means. It doesn't mean that that somehow he's above anybody else. They like to think so, but he's no more than a bishop, and he has no more say in what goes on in my diocese than anybody else than any other bishop. No other so bishop. They, they just notify you one day and say, you're, yeah. you're done here. And you, right. you get a letter. Or did you get a phone call or <laughs> no. an email? I got a FedEx letter. He didn't even have the courtesy or the guts or the courage to come to me personally and hand me the written decree. He had it delivered by FedEx. And then he called the office. Hey, did Father Altman get the letter yet? And the letter said, effective immediately, you're canceled. So each bishop in his own little fiefdom can decide what they're going to do with the canceled priest. Uh, I appealed my case. And so technically he cannot appoint another pastor until the case is over. And it's still 15 months later, still going through the process in Rome. Uh, so he can't appoint another pastor. And Did in you fact, go to Rome and, and plead your case before some tribunal. Right. Well, they have, they have a, the, they have a court structure and it's so labyrinthian that unless you're a canon lawyer who has practiced in that environment it's beyond and i'm a lawyer so yeah i sort of have a concept of a process but the process in the catholic church is so 
secretive and so labyrinthian that unless you have money to pay a canon lawyer to do this, you're just out. You're just done. You're dead in the water. And you really only have about 10 days to, to get going on it or else you're, according to the rules of procedure, you're just out, you're done. Your, your case would be canceled. It'd be thrown but out. But your case is still going. Yeah, mine is still going because from the day one, I, I had a canon lawyer who's incredibly skilled in these processes without which I too would be dead in the water. And then what's going to happen is then people say, oh, I guess the, because they always give the bishop the, the benefit of the doubt. And so, uh, so even if I lose, which by the way, I have zero expectation of winning in Rome, zero, because they know me over there and they hate me. Um, but here's what most people- Let me, don't. Ask, let me ask this question. Yeah, go ahead. <clears throat> um, there's content plus delivery. The yeah. content, you're carrying the truth. Delivery, you're, you're really, there's no velvet on your brick. You're really <laughs> in the face. You're really in the face of people. Right. Yeah. Do they accuse you of being, let's say strident to such a point that even if you're right on the issues, yeah. the way you deliver them is they find offensive and that becomes an issue that makes it more difficult for you. Yes, no? Well, the here's my response to that very point. Um, in our culture, we have become so pansy milk toast and so afraid of hurting people's feelings mm -hmm. that we will not tell them the truth about salvation, repentance, forgiveness, salvation, sin, that you have to, you have to acknowledge your sin to be, and repent of it, meaning there has to be sin in the first place. So if you preach about the importance of knowing what sin is, according to Almighty God and what sacred scripture says, and that you have to repent from that, I mean, every prophet spoke about repentance you know i love that story when nathan goes to david the number one honcho of his day and says you're the guy who who did the bad deed and uh uh and then david didn't just say well no worries because i asked jesus into my heart no david he put on sackcloth and ashes and god said there's still going to be consequences <clears throat> there are earthly consequences to our sinfulness and it doesn't matter that you repent you're still going to suffer here um the um the, the problem with with the like the manner and tone right because bishop callahan did say he speaks the undeniable truth well in our culture a huge segment has been so pansified i made up a word there so um become hypersensitive uh that that anything that speaks the truth with boldness as jesus did as every prophet did as john the baptist did um i mean he john the baptist called the brood of viper called the the sanhedrin the brood of vipers uh, i know you're you're that's being, matthew chapter you're good company with that phrase i know so uh here's the thing a certain percentage of catholics want to hear the truth spoken clearly and boldly it's like painting the lines on the side of the road. I explained this to the bishop once, and he said, yeah, that makes sense to me. That, you know, uh, in the law, there was, a, um, you know, you study cases when you're in law school. And there was a case where the road, road department had, had not painted, had let the road sides, the, the lines on the side of the road fade. So a young man was driving home on a dark and stormy night, missed the curve, went off the road, and was killed. So the parents sued the road department for failing to maintain properly the lines. 
so that their son wouldn't have died if they if he would have. And they won, which is hard to do against the government. So what I explained to Bishop, I said, listen, people out there in our world today, more than ever, need to see these lines that Jesus painted. He gave us the lines. We just have to maintain them so that people can see in this crazy world in which we live, you don't don't go outside the lines because if you do, you're you're going to be in trouble. Your eternal soul is at risk. So I paint the lines boldly and people appreciate it. So if you don't like not you personally, but if somebody doesn't want to listen to me, they'd rather listen to Mr. Milk Toast down the street. Well, then go ahead. But the people that do want to hear the truth spoken boldly so that they can guide themselves, guide their lives, guide their children's lives. Those people are faithful and they are entitled to hear the truth spoken boldly. Well, so, you, make a, you make a strong and compelling case. And I, I, uh, I feel badly, I feel badly as, as a fellow pastor, hearing uh, <clears throat> that your superior came in and, and, and did what he did. This, this, this is painful and shocking and disappointing regardless of what denominational tribe or stream it occurs in, yeah. is not good. And it, 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 again, is astounding. When you said the number 2,000, I knew that the coalition of canceled priests was sizable, but I had no idea there was 2,000 of you sidelined. Yeah. Apparently, because yours is pending, you still have a salary to live on. But these other yeah. guys, yeah. the other, other guys, they're out with no salary. Is that right? Pretty much. The, the bishops, each individual bishop, could still choose to pay, like for instance, in the case of Clay Hunt, he still could have paid him a salary, could have kept his health insurance going, he could have done all that, but he did it as a means to just bludgeon him into submission. When you take somebody's uh, health care and you take their, their retirement away, yeah, that is brutal. That's unconscionable treatment. Oh, it's unconscionable. That's what I said. His mitre, we should have it on a platter right here, right now. He is a viper <clears throat> from hell. That's, that's, but you see, the bishops are, I call them a bunch of sorority sisters because so many of them are just that. And they have each other's backs. And so no bishop will criticize another bishop for what's going on in his own diocese, even though, even though they're acting improperly. I mean, to this day, the day he died, Rembert Weakland still had his faculties. Bishop took some of mine away. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? The, the guy, he takes... You know what he said? You, you see, you don't know this story. He took that half a million dollars, roughly, of church money and paid it to keep his, his male lover silent, right? Oh, no. And, and, and then he said, well, when he was called out on it, well, it really wasn't church money because I never ex accepted a mass stipend. Well, whether he did or didn't, who knows? But the fact of the matter is, in his <clears> day, it was only $5 a mass and you could get only one a day. But let's say it was $10 like it is now. It's supposed to be part of our salary, right? So that's Three, if you times it by 365 days, that's $3,650. Times it by 10 years, that's 36,500. He paid the guy pretty near half a million dollars. Did he ever get called out by any other bishop? Did, did, the, did the government authorities, did, did the embezzlement that he did, did, was that, did he suffer any legal consequence for that whatsoever? Did anybody go after him? No, they did not. Right? Now we're so, getting we're getting kind of deep in the weeds here, so I want to. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, that that the specificity that of this case. That's a tragic. That's a tragic story. Uh, but how do how do the, most of our audience? We're going to have to wrap this up. We're on time. We have to go roll into another interview in a second. But um, how do we? The predominant audience is going to be evangelical Protestants. Yeah. And we care deeply about our our, our special friends that are 
that are traditional Catholics and yeah. hold to the values that yeah. we hold to, how do we best pray yeah. for the Catholic Church, for you, sure. for the 2,000 priests that have been, I don't want to say excommunicated, but you've been set as, canceled. You've been right. literally yeah. canceled right. across the board. That's pretty astounding to me. How, how do we pray? How, we're going to go into prayer, prayer yeah. but later. How do we how do we pray for you all? Okay, so the, so the first you'd asked me before we began to answer one last question, uh, and it had to do with the reindoctrination camps. So, oh yeah, re, yeah, Tell, yeah. So I'll just be very brief. There are roughly when I was in seminary thirty seven thousand five hundred priests in the United States. So two thousand is still kind of a smaller percentage, and and then we get we import uh, priests from other countries. Who never speak up and speak out because they're afraid of getting sent back because that's what happens you keep you minute they they raise it it's like that what's that called when you have the whack-a-mole right <laughs> you don't you don't raise your head or you're going to get whacked right um if a priest uh goes off the rails let's say and and it and it can happen to anybody alcoholism pornography promiscuity uh drugs whatever it is they can send you to i call them fix them up places which are can be legitimate uh, you know, in the law, I constantly had to help people, especially parents who were neglecting and abusing their children to work through their issues with whatever vices they had so that they could try to become better parents for their children. So if you're dealing with alcoholism, that's an easy one. You go to an alcohol rehab place. What they, what they have for reindoctrination camps are places, uh, St. Luke's, I think, is one of them. I think that's in Philadelphia, maybe. I think there's one down Lewis, where they are peopled by, run by uh, people of a like mindset of these sorority sisters and of the idea that they want to reindoctrinate you in a certain mindset such that you will never speak boldly again. <laughs> And, and that's where they send you. And if you don't, oh, they'll say, here's a way that, here's one of their tactics. Oh, you have anger management problems. As Bishop Fulton J. Sheen said, if you don't, if you've lost the ability to have righteous anger, you've lost the ability to love because you will righteously be angry at sin and those that cause it. Like Jesus said, better you get the great millstone around your neck, which by the way, means you are damned to hell for eternity. And that's because in Jesus's day, that he could have chosen stoning to death as better you get stoned to death and lead my land astray. He could have said, better you get crucified, which was the most horrific and embarrassing way in his day, right? He chose the great millstone. Why? Because that meant you could not get a proper burial. I mean, they, the disciples wanted to get Jesus off that cross and get him in a proper burial right then and there because that was required because if you didn't get a proper burial, you were doomed to hell in the culture. So the great millstone meant you absolutely were dragged down to the bottom of the sea, right? And, and therefore not get a proper burial, meaning damn for eternity. So Jesus said, better you're damned for eternity, right? So um, why did I start talking about that? There must've been a good reason. Re-education camps. Re-education camps. So, um, <clears throat> they, so they, they send you to these re-education camps instead, because you've got anger management problems, they would say, well, how do you even combat that? And how do you, how do you successfully prove, oh, I'm no longer angry. I'm just never going to speak a harsh word about sin anymore. That's not what Jesus said to do. So uh, these, these, they exist and they break you down. They are experts, just like the Russians. 
if you've ever read Darkness at Noon by, I think his, his name is Kessler, uh, talks about the Russian re-education camps. It's the same thing. It's very communist. It's very socialist, very uh, godless. Um, so, so they do send you there. And if you don't go, then they say, well, you'll never get your faculties back. So these priests who have no other way to return to their parish, whom they love and whom they've given their lives for, would go to these reindoctrination camps and, and suffer the psychological abuse that these camps force upon you. And I'm not making this up and I am not over-exaggerating it. Um, it's, it's horrible. So anyway, so how can we fix this now? Um, only God. I, it is so far gone. The leadership of the Catholic Church and those who are complicit by their silence are so far gone that only divine intervention is going to fix it now. They're just gone. They're preaching heresy. They're apostates. And right up to the very white cask himself, they are leading lambs astray with their godless apostasy. I could go through the Pachamama. You know the Pachamama. He brings the abomination into the temple in St. Peter's, right? We could go on and on about the apostasy that's going on. Yeah, so we, only God. He is a, even, even most American evangelicals see that the Pope is... He's gone. He's it, off the rails. It's shocking. He's, he's it's gone. Stunning. It's very disappointing. Yeah, well, yeah, that's a very polite way to put it, but I, I, be, stronger, I'm, I'm, I'm I have much be, stronger words for Jorge. I'm trying to be polite. I'm trying to be polite. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm trying to avoid going to re-indoctrination. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, uh, yeah. So only, only God is going to be able to come down and save us all. Uh, from have been the listening to uh, Father here. James Altman from Wisconsin, a friend of mine. You can tell he's very soft-spoken. He's very gentle. <laughs> he needs to he needs to come out of himself. Some of yes. Some, no, he's bold and courageous. Uh, he and I have been together a couple different times. I have enormous respect for his willingness to stand. And uh, if he shocks you, let me say this nicely: so would Jesus, so would John the Baptist, so would the minor prophets, and they're not minor, by the way. Uh, so would Jeremiah. Uh, the figures of scripture go back and read them uh, he's he's in a quite well-established prophetic lineage of being bold and straightforward uh james i have deep respect for you <clears throat> i grieve because i do not want to see even though i'm not catholic i don't want to see the catholic church go the route that is going we see uh you're well aware that protestantism had a major split many many years ago and you have the liberal left wing, but now among evangelicals, we have wokeism coming into evangelical circles um, at an alarming pace that is, is yeah. really troublesome. And many of our evangelical colleges, there are numbers of them that I would have happily supported a number of years ago that I would not want my grandkids to go to today yeah. at all. Uh, some really bad apples in numbers yeah. of them that are destroying the faith of our youth. Yes. So we have a serious problem, uh, and I track, I track with you. I'm thinking in a parallel version of what we're seeing within evangelicalism. Yes. Fortunately, we don't have the hierarchical model that can control us quite as much, mm -hmm. but to the extent that some structures can, they still try to today yes. in our environs as as well. Yeah. So, um, do you know you know why we do what we do, though, Pastor? We do it um, not because you and I get up in the morning and say, I'm just going to have an angry day and I'm going to let it loose. No, no, no. We do it because ultimately it's love. 
It's, it's not, people call me courageous. No, that's the correct. Courage has nothing to do with it. If I love you and, and I see you playing in the street as a child, I'm going to holler at you, get out of the street. You're going to get hit, right? You, you do what you do out of love and, and you want to save souls. So when you, when you know for 2000 years, the truth of Jesus is unchanged and unchangeable. And you see people like you call it the wokeism entering into your, into your schools that are producing pastors, into our schools that are producing pastors. When you see that, when you see it in the, in the leaders, out of love for the souls they're misleading, you cannot help but speak up and speak out. Because one day, you and I are both going to stand before Jesus. Yeah. We're not yeah. going to be judged by the hierarchy of the Catholic Church. We're not going to be judged by the, by the people who run the, the seminaries in, in evangelicalism. We're going to be judged by Jesus. He's going to say, how much did you love me? Did you... Love me enough to feed my sheep, no matter what. I, I, we're going to go into a prayer. Uh, this is very, this has been a sobering call. It's been a sobering call. You're, you're, you're calling for accountability, and uh, you've got our attention on what you're saying. And it grieves me that the purpose of the World Prayer Network calls I've said at the outset was we pray for holiness, righteousness, biblical justice, and truth to prevail in, in, in our nation and in the nations of the earth. <clears throat> and so your call for truth, uh, we, we resonate with that. And it grieves us to hear these reports. Uh, we're going to be going into a time of prayer uh, for you. In fact, I want to pray for you right now. Father, I lift up my brother James. And uh, I ask for truth to prevail. I ask that he be given favor I ask that in this judicial process, through the rules of jurisprudence that he has to follow, that he become a victor and that he receive favor of God and truth rise up and boldness and courage and holiness and righteousness prevail in his tribe as well as in mine and across this earth. We call for that. And encourage my friend in the meantime, in the name, the mighty name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. 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 Uh, I'm grateful, brother. Well, I, I, I wish we had more time because you, uh, you are an intriguing figure. I find you very fascinating. And your, uh, your constructs of language, it's just fascinating. You're, 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 deep down, you're still a hockey player. <laughs> I know. I'm not afraid to go mix it up in the corners, as we would say. <laughs> hey, my friend, thank you. Thank you for being on. Uh, and we'll, we'll maybe get a report from you on the future of what's, okay. what's happening, an update on what's taking place with these, with these uh, 2,000 yeah. canceled priests. Yes. Told about. It's very sobering. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Please read the show notes for additional details if you would like a copy of the book or resources mentioned. Remember that WellVersed is a 501c3 tax-deductible nonprofit organization. We rely on your support and partnership. Don't forget to hit subscribe to keep up to date with our latest episodes. Leave us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe too. Thank you for listening to the WellVersed podcast. For more information, please go to www.wellversedworld.org.